Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Cinemas podcast, where we will be discussing Mia Hansen Loves Things to Come. Uh, I'm Sam Howlett, and this week I'm joined by Helen Seymour. Hello. And Jake Cunningham. Hiya. Uh, so this is Mia Hansen Loves follow-up to Eden. So Eden was about a young DJ discovering uh, his, his way in the world, and this is about a woman in her 60s discovering her... Um, part of the world um, do you think those two films bleed into each other quite well do you think this is a good follow up to Eden yeah yeah definitely I mean uh, I think it follows on to uh, Andrew Haig's last two films Weekend yeah. which was two young men at the start of their relationship at a weekend uh, over a weekend after they've met and 45 years where you've got uh, a couple perhaps very near the end near the end of their lives looking back on their relationships and their lives together and I think you you can definitely see those parallels between yeah. Eden, where you've got this young guy trying to find his place in the world, and the Isabel Hubbard's character in Things to Come, looking back perhaps on what she's done and what her role is now. Definitely, I definitely see that as well. Just nice sort of parallels, almost a kind of semi sequel, like a spiritual sequel. Definitely, kind of in the way that um, Everybody Wants Some is a spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused, originally later films. Uh, so Things to Come, as we mentioned there, stars uh, Isabel Hubbard as a philosophy teacher at a high school in France and several things happen in her personal life that causes her to sort of reevaluate her life and she's kind of the first time in her life that she's had freedom I guess and it's her just going out and exploring things she's not done before. The film's got quite a nice slow leisurely pace it's not I mean I think this film could have been a comedy in a way a sort of old lady does funny things comedy mm. that young people do but it's uh, yeah it's a, it's quite meditative yeah definitely and I think um, films that actually tackle philosophy as a subject mm-hmm. rather than just having it in the subtext you've really got to try hard to mm. make sure you're not getting bogged down in it and you've got to put your effort in to keep it light so that people can still focus on it without thinking you're over intellectualising or that you're being pretentious and I think this handles it quite well yeah, I never thought I was being, I never, I never felt I was being thrown things at me, and just I was just lost. I felt, you know, I felt like I knew enough to go along with the characters. Uh, so we have an interview coming up later on with Isabel uh, Huppert. Uh, but before that, uh, I've got a question for you two. 
So, uh, see, so the film is about a teacher. So, I was wondering uh, which character in a film who isn't a teacher would you like to have been your teacher growing up, and what subject would they have taught you? Gru from Despicable Me. Right. To yeah. Teach me everything. <laughs> Little girl. This is literature, really? <laughs> <laughs> Too scary for no. a kid? No, because I would have respected his okay. power. Right, <laughs> his power. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out he's got a good heart. Don't want to spoil the film for him. <laughs> okay. Also, driving lessons, I would have had the driver from Drive. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of communication, though. Yeah, but I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, because I think when you did well, he would just give you a little nod and yeah, you, you would yeah. think, oh, yes. I've done it, I've got a nod. I've done the roundabout. And the great thing is, lessons only last five minutes. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Although I think it's he's a health off. and safety hazard driving with a cocktail stick in your mouth. Not him, he's Not fine. when you look cool enough. Yeah. yeah. Do you have to have your own scorpion jacket? Uh, or if they you supplied? pass first yeah. time. Okay. Um, I think if you've done well in the lesson, he would give you a cocktail stick. Jake. The rewards. Um, I was gone for John Doe, Kevin Spacey in Seven, <laughs> because he knows a lot about the Seven Deadly Sins. So I'd like him to teach me RE. Nice. Because <laughs> I think that is one. the basis yeah. of RE, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just Seven. You just have to list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I like to think I'm a kinetic learner. You know? Right. Uh, Visual I, learner. Yeah. Well. No kinetic. Kinetic. So I learn through action. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think he really represents that. He really brings the lesson to life. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I'd really, I'd really learn a lot more about religion through Kevin Spacey in Seven. Okay. Excellent answer. Creepy answer. Uh, I'd go for... Um, well, I thought that in School of Rock, technically, Dewey Finn isn't a teacher... So he'd be, obviously, a great music teacher and life teacher in general. Uh, Also, in X-Men 2, Wolverine tells uh, Iceman's parents he teaches art to pretend to be a professor. So I'd like Wolverine to teach me art. Yeah, Again, I think that'd be quite kinetic. Yes, it certainly would. And you could just sort of cut three slashes down a canvas and take it to the tape modern. I think there probably is a piece in the tape modern that is just three cuts down a canvas. Yeah. You struggle with clay though, Sam. You would, yeah. <laughs> yes. Potter's <laughs> wheel is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, time for an interview now. Uh, we have Irena and Ryan from Curzon uh, Head Office. They interviewed Isabel Hooper a few weeks ago. So enjoy. So we are both huge fans of the film. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, we found a lot in it that is very recognisable. And um, we have a lot of very philosophical questions in keeping with the <laughs> themes and tune of the film. So we're going to get stuck in. Um, so we thought that the film is very much about the tension between action and thought, um, which also seems to translate as youth versus age. And this is very clear in that scene where Natalie uh, walks into the school to teach her class, even though the school is occupied. Um, And this reminded me a lot of my time in school, and we watched a lot of films, particularly in French class, about 1968 and revolutionary ideas. Um, So the first question that we have is really, what do you think about revolutionary ideas? Do you think revolution is something for the young, or is it something that the old also embrace, or is it something that you give up in age? 
Uh, <laughs> starting life. A, starting is a, is a, it's a big question, you know. Um, uh, I don't have so many personal ideas about you know uh, about revolution. All I know is that the way it's been shown in the film it's quite um, funny because. Uh, Mia, from the very beginning, at the very beginning, she takes the risk of showing um, a teacher, which normally should be on the what we would call the good side, so mm -hmm. on the side mm -hmm. of the pupils. But then she doesn't hesitate to go against certain preconceived ideas and to mm -hmm. show the teacher who is against her young pupils. And she doesn't mean that she's uh, like a right wing or what, so, uh, mm -hmm. whatever, yeah. you know. But uh, it's uh, so, um, so Mia, in a way, uh, and and eventually in the film, you know, when she has uh, all these political discussions with the young people in the in the country, you mm -hmm. know, one can tell that they they don't have the same kind of uh, uh, ideas. So I think it's interesting because Mia seems to say that uh, that the 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 good attitude is not necessarily with the young, and the bad attitude are not necessarily with the older people. You know, it's a bit more complex mm -hmm. than this. You know. And I think it's uh, especially palpable in that discussion at the end of the film, you know, between because uh, he, um, the, the the young man, you know, he reproaches her to not to be, not to live accordingly to her ideas, and she defends quite rightly against that. She says, "I I feel like I live according to my ideas," you know. So um, it's complex, you know. It's uh, at, maybe at a certain age, you have a, a certain. Uh, uh, idea of what what it would it should mean you know to live according to your ideas, but then eventually in life maybe you you lose this sense of uh, of fake idealism you know mm -hmm. because with, in the end it's not really I don't know when when, she, when they have this discussion I feel more on her side let's say than on their side mm -hmm. and even at the beginning of the film I shouldn't say that but. She doesn't seem to be on the on the the, the young people's side. So at the, at the beginning, it's hard to tell. I wouldn't, but I thought I thought it was courageous for me, you know, not to not to be too predictable for mm -hmm. that matter, you know. I mean, after all, you could one would think that she would, you know, especially at the beginning of the film, the teacher, uh, that teacher, would be necessarily on the on the pupil side, but she's not, you know. She's uh, just to show that reality. It's, I think it's for me as a point of view. It's what's more uh, concerned, not to to be too uh, yes predictable, you know, mm -hmm. um, and to just to 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 make people have a think that things are more um, you know, um, yeah. Do you think that that is? Um to do with the conflict between ideal, like being idealistic and having the wisdom of having lived mm -hmm. a life. Mm -hmm. And when you were at school, did you feel very revolutionary? I did. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. And and uh, yes, I did. And and uh, and I was happy to mm. to be so because that gave me. I mean, I was a, a very young student uh, at sixty eight, and that was certainly a time that gave. Me and us, I mean the people I was surrounded with, uh, uh, a great awareness of, you know, um, uh, a sense of how to be political, a sense of, uh, an awareness of the world, an awareness of something, and it's something that never left me, mm. never, you know. So yes, I think it was really important. 
Yeah, and I think that's the, in a way it's the theme of the film. You know, it's maybe yeah. it might be the pupils' role to be the way they are revolutionary, and it might be the teachers' role to to think that that won't solve anything. The way they do it, and she thinks that she believes more in virtues of <laughs> education, and so she wants mm -hmm. to to be a, a teacher at that moment. You know, Have you I never. It's it's something I never really digged. With with Mia, you know uh -huh. this. Uh, right. I don't know, you know. Uh, it's no secret that uh, the whole film is based on her own mother's experience. Mm -hmm. So maybe also Mia just did not hesitate to show her own mother the way she was. Like you know, at that point, you know, maybe the, when there were strikes, she was not on the pupil side. She was on the other side. You know, mm. I don't know. She doesn't make something very big out of it. But the fact is that she. She's not a revolutionary person at that moment, you know. Yeah. And yeah. yet, I think in her own life, she creates a little of... She has her own personal revolution. The way she faces events, the way she, she reacts to what happens to her, the way she's not a victim, is certainly more a little self... A, a little personal revolution than anything else, you know. So I think that the, the whole movie carries this kind of very... of subtleties, uh, um, and uh, you know that things are never the way you expect them to be, in a way. Yeah, there's definitely a sense that kind of wisdom has taken away the fight to mm -hmm. be a revolutionary. But the reason to be a teacher is to be around all of that that spirit mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. still there, and particularly mm -hmm. in her that that key relationship. Yes, and I think also she believes in the virtues of authority, you know, mm -hmm. which I think is right in a way. Also, you know, so there is nothing. Um, well, except for this little fight at the beginning, you know, nothing is too extreme, but still, you know, so, uh, everybody b remains or you know, its own mm. uh, beliefs. Mm. There, there is great subtlety in the way the relationship between the teacher and the ex-student is presented, mm -hmm. which was fascinating. We, we've been talking about this a lot and how there are different elements of it. Some of it looks a little bit like parent and child. Mm -hmm. um, some of it could almost be a platonic love sure. relationship, mm -hmm. but in a different film... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they, it, have it, it probably would happen, mm. but she yes. doesn't fall into this kind of facility. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's one of the joys of the film, I think, and to really watch two actors like you and Roman um, Kolinka working together uh, mm -hmm. in that. And I wonder if you had discussed this, or you had discussed the relationship between the two characters. No, and it's not something we really discussed, you know, because it was all there. I mean, the 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 the, the writing was so clear, the dialogue was so clear, so it was. You know, most of the time when the script is that well written, it's just mm. about how filling up spaces and and giving flesh and yeah. and and substance to yeah. to to this existing thing that exists on the paper. You know, but uh, it was all very easy actually, Great. and um, and and all very exciting also because one could feel everything is so much loaded, everything is so much. You know, you have all what you said, you this potential thing which which could happen, which. And it's also very emotional because I'm thinking about, the, you know, when he first takes her back to the station, you know, and uh, when he's back in the car, you can feel all the something which mm -hmm. could have happened, which did not happen, which will never happen. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's very moving, you know, it's, um, you know. We have one more question about this idea of uh, the teacher, and um, we were wondering if you had had an influential teacher as an adolescent who may have inspired you or guided you to become an artist or to become a political person, or in what way? No, I, I remember I had a very good philosophy teacher, and so I remember, and I still can um, 
uh, see it on my youngest son, you know, who is just who is uh, just finished his um, studies in high school. How much he was because in France, you know, in the last year we we do study philosophy mm -hmm. in a in a way that I understand you don't, for example, in England or in America, because philosophy is uh, uh, mm -hmm. the, the the class itself is called philosophy class. You know, mm -hmm. we say to be en philo, which means to be in the final year of your high school, which means something, you know. And I could tell so. Uh, it's not only in my time, but on my on, on my son uh, also. Y young people are interested in philosophy because immediately, even if a young people doesn't read, which is unfortunately <laughs> the case most of the time now, yeah. which was not the case in our time or maybe in your time, but certainly not in my time. But now you have to admit that they don't read anymore. But even if they're not interested in literature, because it's very interesting, uh, difficult to to under I noticed that to make a a young young boy like my son, you know, being interested in in classic, you know, uh, because it's it's really far from their reality. But when it comes to philosophy, immediately it clicks, you know, because it comes to a uh, you know it comes more across psychology or politics mm. or ideal. So it's much more concrete and much more real. So and so it was certainly the case for myself. So I was I liked my philosophy teacher and I was interested in what she said, yes. Plus, I think she was quite, um, yeah, uh, daring in her statements, mm -hmm. so I liked her. <laughs> Does this, did this fit into your desire to become an, an actor? Or oh, I wouldn't say so, no, I wouldn't go that yeah. far, no. No, it just gave me, you know, a um, sense of uh, taste for, you know, for reading, for mm. being interested in various, various things, but it, that did not necessarily drew me to Acting, you know, I don't know what drew me to it, you know. Actually, it was a no. It was it's one of those, you know, inner movements yeah, that take you somewhere. Because I, I, I don't think I was, uh, I was not in the kind of um, environment which allowed me to say I want to be an actress. I want to be an actress. So, but indeed, I I did become an actress quite soon and quite early. So, I don't know. On, on the other side of that same question, though, I think, I mean, I feel that people need mentors in life. Need mentors? Need a mentor. I think yeah. it's a good thing for someone to, to find. Yeah. Do you, obviously you're a parent, so you teach your children things. But teach, I'm not sure, you transmit, trans, mm -hmm. trans okay. transmit yeah. things more than teaching, you know. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever had a situation similar to we see in things, uh, things to Come where you've, had to, you've been asked to mentor someone or you felt yourself in a position where someone's looking to you for guidance that maybe you didn't have a responsibility to because they're not your child? No, no, because even, let's say, for example, if you, let's say, if I can speak about, about my own field, people, you know, always think that if you, sh if you work with younger people, you would have this, you know, kind of protective attitude or mm -hmm. teach. It's not, no, no. not certainly not in the, in the, in the, in the acting field, you know, because uh, uh, especially acting is so much about doing something for the first time, even though you've done it a number of times, like no, I did. You know, it's yeah. so much about you know being there for the first time. So it doesn't make any difference between me and a very young child who never acted before. You know, he might be, uh, he might know. Maybe not more, but as much as I know myself, you know, so I don't feel this right. kind of a responsibility or certainly not, you know, no, it's not, plus it's not quite my, my attitude <laughs> in general, you yeah. know, mm. um, so, yeah, so uh, you can be nice, you can be, of course, uh, 
but not feeling that you would teach things. Okay. No, I don't think mm -hmm. so. I guess because each role, uh, you know, different people have different perspectives, and like you say, maybe they understand their part more than they did. Oh yes. Need yeah. help with. Yeah. So it's yeah. more about support than mm -hmm. than learning mm -hmm. and teaching. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you talked um, a little bit earlier about um, the role of a mother in the film as well, and we we were struck by the fact that there are these four generations of women in this film, which is quite refreshing and unusual. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about working with um, Edith um, mm. Scobb uh, as your mother and the relationship between those two characters. I was reminded of this um, quotation from Oscar Wilde's play where he says... Uh, all uh, old women become like their mothers. That is their tragedy. <laughs> no man does, and that is his. So, do you think that Natalie will become like her mother, or well, is there something? I don't in think she will because she's obviously very different from her mm. mother, you know. Mm. But the funny thing about it is that Natalie became an intellectual, whereas her mother is a former model, so mm -hmm. she's more superficial. She's, and it's quite funny, you know, to have the daughter being um, 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 uh, not being happy about her mother buying too much, too many clothes like the mother yes. would do. So she, she, she reverses the normal agenda for that, you know. So it's, it's full of, you know, irony. And, uh, and yet what's also is interesting in the film that all your life until your own ma mother dies, you know, you, you, are, you, you are always being balanced between these two positions, you know, mm -hmm. being a daughter, being a, a mother and still being a daughter because mm -hmm. hopefully... Uh, for in the better cases, you know, for most of, not most of your life, but the big part of your life, you are both, you know, you are. And, uh, and I think that she points out that very, very, in a very funny way, even though the mother becomes almost the child to her daughter, you know, because she's so childish and so irresp irresponsible to the point that she has to put her into an institute. But... Um, so the, the the whole thing is so subtle. It's so it's so complex, you know, being mm -hmm. the still a daughter, but still already the mother of your daughter, of your own mother, you know. So mm -hmm. you are always your your own personality is completely split. And then you have also she has to face her own children who go away. So mm -hmm. they are even though yeah they're still very young, especially her son. But you know, he's not a, a little boy anymore. So mm -hmm. so that's what everybody goes through, I guess. I believe. The daughter herself is pretty grown up in facing the father and saying, you need to make a decision, this is important. I thought that, that was quite an interesting way for her to break away from the mother, Natalie, uh, and having that yes. role. Yes, and, um, and somebody, yes, made the remark, you know, I like very much when the, the, the daughter at the hospital uh, burst into tears, mm -hmm. you know, um, because uh, actually when, I, when we did the scene, I didn't think about it. Eventually somebody made the remark, I thought she was breaking into tears in the first place when we did it, just just uh, more because, let's say, the husband leaves the room, and Natalie, when he leaves the room, says, oh, I was fed up, I'm happy that he left yeah. the room. <laughs> so I hope... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I thought that the daughter, I still believe it, but I thought that the daughter was bursting into tears as an a, a emotional reaction like, like every young woman would have because she just had a baby, so she's more emotional. <laughs> but uh, the emotion comes through more because uh, she has a, she's sad that her mother says that, you know, like, like um, she wished at that moment that her parents could be reconciled. Yeah. Then someone went further, I don't know if you understood it that way, and said that, no, she burst into tears, not only for that, but also because... In a way, she is responsible for the separation of her parents because mm -hmm. she said to her father, "You should, um, you should choose," you know, mm -hmm. yeah. which I didn't think in the moment. I thought she was only emotional because this, the, her mother is says this very ironical thing, mm -hmm. and she's not ready for this kind of irony at that moment, you know. Yeah. So she has the the ghost of a of a perfect relationship uh, between her parents at that moment. Mm -hmm. She wants to have this kind of comfort, you know. But also the responsibility of a choice. But also she has to carry the responsibility of the this choice separation. may have also set yeah. the mother free yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in that, in, in that case, if, she, if it's the case that she has to carry the responsibility for the separation, I think she's wrong because at some mm -hmm. point anyway, maybe the parents yeah. would, have would have split, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though she accelerated the movement by saying to her father, you should talk to her. We have one final very quick question, which is that um, you've worked on over 100 films with some of the greatest filmmakers in the world. Is there anybody, dead or alive, a filmmaker who is on your wish list, you wish you had worked with them, or you would like to work with them now? Many people, well, uh, wish, uh, many, many people, all the great people who made the history of cinema, but existing directors, yes, but I always find it really vain, you know, to, to, to claim <laughs> that, you know, and I have a sense of dignity and of pride, so, I mean, that should, that should come. That should come up to me. Absolutely. And Thank you so will. much. Okay. Thank you very Thank much. You very okay, so that was uh, Irena and Ryan talking to Isabel Huppert. Uh, I realised I've kept going back and forth between Isabel Huppert and, and Isabel Huppert. Yeah, so let's be Philistines. Let's uh, let's Huppert. Let's Huppert this. Uh, yeah, let's, let's pronounce that T. <laughs> uh, that was a great interview. Um, a lot of uh, things to pick up on there that we can discuss about the film, I think. Uh, so as usual, we're going to talk about the film in kind of a broader sense and then we'll warn you when we're about to go into spoiler territory although to be honest it's not really the kind of film to spoil it's not it's not really a plot driven film but we will flag a warning that there's some third act things that you might want to go in without knowing definitely um okay so i think we should start with where the interview starts this idea about action versus thought so as a philosophy teacher she deals with uh revolutionaries and people who have put their thoughts into action but she herself uh, Isabel Huppert's character Natalie has never seemed to do that I mean what, how do you think this concept of action versus thought came across in the film well it's one of the uh, earliest scenes in the film is her having to get through the students that are striking outside of the school mm -hmm. to get through it and then you've got the students that are willing to actually go to the class so you, even within the young people there is that divide between action mm. and thought I think it also raises the question of how helpful actions are or if you're going to act, you need to act 
in a set like acting just isn't enough like just fundamentally acting on your thoughts sometimes isn't that helpful like where Fabian seems really pleased with himself that he slept outside all night but I kind of was thinking yes he is acting on it but how much is that actually helping his the fundamental thought that he had or his cause that he wants to do does it really make a difference that he slept outside all night mm. like mm. I don't know and I think all of these uh this kind of action versus thought is kind of so relevant now and I think it's always been relevant I think it's something that everybody kind of struggles with mm. Um, but when you look at the political situation at the moment, I think it's really relevant. It's something to reflect on and just fundamentally in people's lives. Yeah, definitely. And um, uh, Hubbard touches it, touches on it in the interview um, where she said uh, something along the lines of just all the old people didn't do the bad thing and all mm. the young people didn't do the good thing. Mm. Uh, it's, it's split between them. And I think uh, sort of post brexit decision a lot of people were saying like oh the old people did this and the young people did that and i don't i think the film tries to say that no just because the young people are young they're not right and yeah uh, just because the old people are old they're not jaded and out of sight of everyone else yeah i think this idea of action being far more popular or being far more useful has really come into play in the u.s election right now because you've got so many people saying that they're going to vote for Donald Trump because he's going to do something yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. he's going to do something not even knowing what it is but they like it because he says he's going to do something right I think it's interesting that um, you know that conversation about action versus thought we immediately went on to old versus young as well like without even being prompted and that's a binary that a lot of films play into that in life you have old people that think all old people think one thing and all young people think another thing. And since, like, the 1950s, films have often dealt with old people being antagonists to young people. Whereas here, that binary is kind of blended more, I felt. Uh, like, the old and the young, especially after the two events that push um, Natalie into being less of a thinker and more of a doer, in a way. Uh, well, how do you think about that, about old and young in the film? Yeah, um, I mean, you could almost call it a sort of art house silver pound film. Yeah, because it's I guess. like we've had what does like that mean? so sort of best exotic marigold hotel that oh, kind of like oh, quartet yeah, yeah, yeah. song for Marion. These kind of films where it's like, oh, we'll make the old people the lead character. Yeah, okay, um, but uh, and the old people can do young people things too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I think it's it's take looking at that a bit more seriously as to what that can actually mean and that older people in film don't just need to play the role of the old, old person. person yeah I think that's true I think that you know for for a film that has a um, woman in her 60s in the, as a, in the lead role it manages to avoid those kind of silver pound trappings that you mentioned there um, yeah like sort of Lady in the Van or Marigold Hotel I also think that these films where you have an older person who suddenly decides to relive their youth or something are often comedies with men. Mm -hmm. So things like About Schmidt, The Bucket List, um, even like Dirty Grandpa, you know, they're often kind of, they're just something slight, they come across slightly lecherous. Um, But this, this handles it very well and very tastefully, I thought. I think last week's film, Junietta, is a good one to compare with as well. Yeah. 
another lead female character who's looking back on her life but it takes a different turn with it but um, I think that's another really good one I really enjoyed that so I think I just want to point out actually that um, in the past sort of just um, the past sort of 12 months we've had a few films starring women in their 60s as the lead role so like Florence Foster Jenkins Eye in the Sky mentioned before Lady in the Van but things like 45 Years as well these are films that they're not huge but they are popular um, so it's good, and they're not just there to be laughed at. I think. Oh yeah, the definitely. key. So I think that's yeah, it's a good thing. Survivalist had good old yes, lady. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I always forget about Survivalist. It's a good um, one. Yeah, that was uh, one of the first episodes. It was mm. like episode five of this mm. show, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, all those months ago. Um, mm. um, okay, should we talk about Natalie for a bit now? The lead and speaking of uh, protagonists in their sixties. I mean, what did you think of her, particularly from like the the first scene? to sort of her journey throughout the film and her arc. How do you think of her as a protagonist? I thought she was really interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought that she, because of the nature of her work, she almost felt compelled to be very calm Mm. and collected with this chaos around her. And I almost felt like under the surface, you almost were wanting her to just kind of break with it. Um, well, it's in the trailer and it's in the description and reviews. Yeah, I think we, we can say we what can, happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, her husband leaves her and her mother dies within a very short space of time. Yeah. But because she's teaching philosophy, you, you can't, you're kind of expected to have your thoughts completely in order. And she's not acting broken. And I guess that leads to the question, if you don't act like a broken person, are you not a broken person? Going back to the action thought thing... I bloody loved her, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's so great. Just, yeah. I really, really liked her. I wish, like, I think we would get on really well. Yeah. Um, and she, she dealt with it and she was strong, man. Yeah. Like, she had a lot going on and it didn't, it didn't shy away from showing her vulnerable moments. There no. were times when she was really upset, but then she pulled herself together and, everything the way she carried herself the way she made sure she kept on doing things like um she goes for walks and things and like these aren't kind of oh i'm feeling really sad so i'm gonna go and cry in a wood thing it's like you know i'm going and i'm gonna just enjoy this nature Mm. and she seems like such a strong person Mm. and it was so good to watch yeah i agree i think that there were there were moments where she is completely breaking down but they don't take over the film. Yeah. Which they very easily could have. Yeah, you could easily, you could break into your cliche Oscar moment. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little like in the commune, which is, that is the kind of pinnacle of the film is this big breakdown of of a woman. And yeah, this doesn't do that, which is great. Yeah, and it's not a kind of blighty, stiff upper lip, like hiding the problems. No. She is dealing with it as well, but she's just confronting it and really thinking about the best course of action for her mentally. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so now we've talked about Natalie. Let's talk about Natalie and Fabian, who I guess is in a way the second lead of the film, if there is going to be one. In yeah. In terms of screen time uh, yeah, and think, in terms of effect on the film. Yeah, and if you looked at the posters and things, I it's, think you would think yeah. Fabian was the... Uh, you could, If you had not seen anything from the film, 
other than perhaps the poster you might think this is like a graduate situation well, going that's on. where i thought it was going and they they uh, they talk about this in the interview but i really thought okay as soon as the husband left i thought oh it's going to be that kind of film she's going to meet up with fabian and they're going to become lovers mm. and actually when the um husband announces that he's leaving her the first person that she mm. suggests he's leaving her for is she says is it a student mm. And so, so you think that you seed's think it, planted in your brain. There's also a scene earlier on where um, the husband meets Fabian and he seems a bit, doesn't really like him, said, oh, he's a, just sort of a do-gooder kind of thing. And then she says, oh, are you jealous? Mm. So even then, there's, it's kind of hinted that she could have a relationship with Fabian. Um, but I'm glad they don't. I'm glad they didn't go down that route. Yeah, and I think it's, it is interesting to have this relationship between two people that is yeah. a platonic intelligence and equal yeah they're equals it's not done enough in film no it's not done enough at all I think even in books and everything like friendship or platonic relationships just aren't talked about enough because it seems that everybody wants to focus on the romantic um, relationship which has totally has its place but um, it's so refreshing to see something that doesn't put that as the focus of the film yeah. and doesn't end in a kind of and then they got together mm. yeah. like oh my and goodness. it is a it's a very sexy idea as well right. the older uh philosophy teacher and who the is younger, very attractive yeah i mean she looks stunning yeah. in this film and you can totally see that in a lesser film mm. than just going for that because that's the easiest route yeah and it really it challenges us because we're like we're expecting it to go a certain way and yeah. it really doesn't, and it's a better film for it. Absolutely. Um, okay, so before we go into uh, spoiler territory, uh, let's talk about the cat, Pandora. Pandora! So uh, this is uh, her mother's cat that she has to take in after her mother uh, goes to a uh, care home and then dies. Um, and the cat, I think we all agree, was is a metaphor for her, someone who's recently lost the person that they were with for all these years and can't seem to find a suitable place for them to be on their own anymore. Um, but did you feel like this was a bit overused? A bit too on yeah. the nose, this yeah. thing I, I, I think I enjoyed the cat being there as an idea, but I think it, it just got a bit too much screen time. It's right. a big cat as well. Yeah. Which is good. You don't often see overweight cats in film, so I'm really glad yeah. that they're breaking out and finally showing yeah. a different, rather than just same old. Yeah. yeah. It does ring true because and cat, you know, yeah. unreasonable body standards for cats. Yeah, I know. I'm just finally <laughs> glad to see an obese cat on the on getting some screen time. Obese cats are people too. I know. Yeah, we need to see more people being friends with fat cats. Yeah, yeah, and that's what this film is. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit inside Llewellyn Davisy, that Very, cat thing. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, it was just it was something that has been done before and been done better. Yes. I'd, yeah, I thought like that this film had this film had a lot of more um, more going for it without the cat. Yeah, and there's a, there's a particular moment where it almost felt like the story of the cat could have been done, and yeah. then it comes back in again later, and it did just feel like as I said I don't mind the cat story being there. Like I think it does add to it. It mm. just it's just rammed home a bit too yeah. much. There's just a bit too much cat. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, okay, so before we talk about the end of the film, uh, if people see one film this week, why should they see Things to Come? Well, I think Isabel Hobbit, is, uh, in, yeah. in terms of a performance, it's a very different performance. It feels it's like a non-Oscar performance. She's not 
amping up the emotions and she works well with everyone in the film and she completely carries it agreed you're smitten aren't you Jake yeah completely <laughs> I agree um, also just same reason why anyone should see a film it's a good story told really well yeah so well for me it was I think it was a bit too slow at points like when she goes to the commune and like there's a lot of the, the cat's doing something she's talking to someone else she picks up a book these are all the shots were very quick and it was just a very quick succession and it just felt like it went on a bit slightly too long that sequence for me it's only, oh the sequence I was going to say it's quite a short film mm. yeah just that just that sequence of the commune because she goes yeah well the, for the first time she goes to the commune mm. but apart from that I actually really enjoyed it I think yeah it's, it's really nice to watch these kind of films that don't bombard you with uh, melodrama yeah, and I think it's it's a very rich film if yeah. you want to pause every five minutes and analyse what books have been picked out and what books, quotes have been quotes said. And names Which dropped. Which is probably and... lost on me a bit, to yeah, be fair. I th- but I don't think... But it's not so heavy that you feel like you're missing yeah. out not if you don't know that. Like It's still light enough to be a very entertaining, enjoyable film and then you can get into the analysis of it yeah. if you desperately wanted to. I know, Jake, you were saying beforehand that maybe um, the poetry of it was lost in translation a little bit. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think so. Like, even down to the title of the film in French, it's La Vanille, which uh, sounds... future. Yeah, which sounds much nicer, perhaps not like in that. in that trailer voice. The future. Which I think sounds a bit nicer than things to come. Yeah. And the way that they talk. And you've got these really lovely um, sounds that she makes and uh, other characters make that we don't quite have in this language where they go, oh! Yeah. And a lot of uh, oh, oh la la. la. Yeah, yeah, so many oh la la. So please do see the film and then come back just into the last five minutes of the show. So, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really end per se. It just, it, I mean, it doesn't feel like an ending. That's not a, a criticism. It feels like life will just go on for them. It doesn't really feel like this is the end of... Yeah, I think the... Um, the whole film just feels like a, a chapter. Yeah, definitely. I love the ending. Yeah. Such a great shot to finish with and good music that yeah. we have discovered is from Roger and Val have just got in. Yeah, the great BBC Two sort of comedy drama with uh, which is just Dawn French and Alfred Molina each episode in their in their house. Really good show. Um and it's yeah. a Unchained Melody, yeah. Yeah, it's Unchained yeah. Melody a cover, slower cover of that. Um, yeah, I really liked the ending actually. So her daughter has a baby, and that's kind of like life going on. That think things often end with a with a birth to sort of show you that these characters' lives don't just end when the film ends. That there is more to this. Yeah, I thought this was also quite funny because the one of the first things that, well, yeah. when the daughter provokes the dad as she learns that he's having an affair, the first thing that the dad says after she says that she needs to talk to him about something, he says, "You're not pregnant, are you?" Probably was. Yeah, it's just a throwaway line at the start, but it's a nice tie-in to the end of the film. Yeah. She finally gets rid of the cat. It lives in the commune. Um, You mentioned earlier that you kind of felt like that should have happened earlier. Yeah, so uh, when the... If you've watched the film, you know she goes to the commune um, sort of halfway through and the cat goes out at night and then uh, Hubbard's character does her own thing and then the cat is there in the morning. And to me, that kind of felt like... It was saying, you don't need to worry about everything. You don't need to be anxious because perhaps sometimes you can't. It will just work out. I'd Uh, like to see that more. Like, I can just leave stuff be. It's mm. such a good kind of way of looking at things. And I'd love to see a film that really deals with that. 
Yeah, and like when the cat leaves, she worries about it, but she's got no control over it. Yeah. Like she, there is no way that she yeah. can be aware of what the cat is doing. She eventually just leaves it, and then in the morning, it is there, and it is fine. And I felt like that was part of the message of the film as mm. well, that you do lose control sometimes, but that's not necessarily the end of the world at all. Yeah. yeah. And the cat could have just stayed at the commune then, rather than coming back with her and then going away and then ending up there again. Yeah, I think mm. that's what I meant when I said that the commune scenes were a bit slow, just because there was sort of a bit of back and forth between them, and I felt like some of the scenes at the end looked like could have been moved around a bit and had mm. her just go there. Well, I don't know. Um, but also, I love, really love the last scene she has with Heinz, the husband, in the kitchen when she's prepping for Christmas. Mm. Yeah. And uh, he's kind of he's kind of hinting that he wants to be invited. I felt, and she's like, "Goodbye." Yeah. He, she says, uh, "I think you should go. I'm quite busy." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that she she really takes ownership of her situation yeah. as yeah. well, even though it's like everyone else's actions have are what put her where she yeah. is. But, but she's then, in control. Yeah. It was so good. I'm gonna take that. Um, this is. I quite want to be her actually. I think when there's someone at my house who I don't want there, I'm just gonna say. I no, think, I'm busy. You I, should yeah, go. I think you should go. <laughs> uh, so if you enjoyed uh, things to come, there's plenty more we think you'll like on Curzon Home Cinema. So uh, Mia Hansen Love's previous film Eden is available to watch. You've also got Valley of Love, uh, which stars uh, Isabel Hubbard and Gerard Depardieu as a divorced couple who are reunited after the death of their son. And then we've got Piano Teacher, Michael Haneke's film, and Amour, another Haneke film, which both star Isabel Huppert. So we really think you'll enjoy those. Uh, also another thank you to CSR for letting us use their studio. We really appreciate that. So um, next week we'll be talking about Captain Fantastic. Yep, talking about Captain Fantastic next week. interview with director Matt Ross as well. Yep, and uh, make sure you tune in for that because uh, listeners to the podcast can win a signed Captain Fantastic poster signed by Viggo Mortensen, Aragorn himself. Awesome. So do tune in. Okay, so that is a goodbye from Jake. Au revoir. Oh, très bien. A goodbye from Ellen. Cheerio. No. Uh, no. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.